Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And Heidi Ho, I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 132 of the North Meet South Web Podcast. Heidi Ho! Remember that? Howdy Ho! You're much better at it than I am. Yeah, what is it? Mr. Hanky. (laughs) Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo, or whatever he was. I don't remember. Something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. We are on episode 132, back after the Christmas break. If you uh, tuned into our last belated Christmas extra- extravaganza podcast, had a good time uh, hanging out with some of the other dudes, um, playing some family feud trivia stuff. And uh, Michael and Chris Kamir got destroyed by David and TJ. It was sad. It was Third. sad to watch. Third, it was hard. Third consecutive year, I reckon I've been rolled like that. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. But this next year, I think what I'm going to do is instead of just asking random Christmas trivia questions, which are not the same across the equator, right? It's different. No, it's yeah. different. You know, we don't have whatever that you guys have—that mince meat pie, whatever stuff, whatever you guys eat. What is that? The mince pies. Is it mince pies? Yeah, some crazy mince you don't, pies. You don't stuff. have. You like, know what? I mean, the Christmas the Christmas no, mince okay. pie is like a fruit. It's a fruit mince. It's not like meat. Oh, oh, it is a oh, it is a sweet oh, okay. dish. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, no, it's, the, you know what I found meat, out is the that... meat pie. The meat pie is the whole rest of the year. We can we can get that yeah. anytime. Yeah, sure. So I heard that meat pie was actually way more. Like that was like the actually you know. So there's a saying like as American as apple pie. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that saying? Maybe you haven't, but that's have, a thing. Yeah. Like yep. baseball, apple pie, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was not always so. Like it used to be that meat pies were very much an American staple. And only mm. in the most, like in the last like 60 years or maybe 70 years, something like that, it sort of like switched You're over. Right. There was this big, yeah, very odd, like a, an interesting sort of history around that. I don't remember where I read that. Probably Hacker News, something. I don't know. Hmm. I read random crap sometimes like that. But anyway, it was uh, <laughs> it was interesting. So there you go. Hey, the last episode we were on, we talked about documentation. And um, we both promised each other we that promised. we would do some documentation. And I did a little bit of documentation. I did do some this last, this week, actually, I think, earlier this mm-hmm. week. And I had to go through this process where I had to add in some data about our users, which is sort of not a microservice, but sort of kind of is an authentication microservice-ish thing. And it like, you have to update our auth website, then you have to update the auth package, then you have to update the Wilbur user package, then you have to update the app that's actually getting the thing, the new value, and so blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's difficult, so I documented it because the the developer, the next most senior developer on my team had never done that. So I was like, all right, let's just document this. So yeah. I did document that, which I yeah. felt good about. And I've documented a couple of little things, but not with any sort of intentionality just like yeah i should document mm-hmm. this i'm gonna chuck it in our wiki you know sort of deal yeah but I have, yeah, we, we have had, been using mermaid uh, as well mermaid is good oh that's so cool we use that yeah 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 i like that we um we saw on uh, on the laravel news podcast the last one that we recorded steve mcdougall had been using that erd diagram generator thing which looks pretty cool mm, and yes. i think we find a lot of use for that because we oh, that's we true, have a yeah. lot of those those like erd entity relationship diagrams about the place that they kind of like show how all of the stuff relates to each other and, and whatnot. And those are generated using, um, I forget the name of the, the program now, it escapes me, but it's like a web-based thing. We can um, go and settle that what up. But it'd be nice to have something. The frame, the iframe, like in, in a GitHub. Yeah. 
yeah. wiki. But it'd location. be good to to use Mermaid, and it, you know, if we can have some tooling. So part of at the end of last year, we had our two day offsite where all of the senior people in the business got together, and we talked about like what all the different departments are doing and what the goals are for the next year. And we and it was like a, as a launch pad for doing OKRs for the first time. So OKRs are objectives and key results. And so, you know, we set ourselves some targets for this quarter around, you know, we want to do some lunch and learns and some learning sessions and things like that, which we had the first one of yesterday. We wanted to um, make documentation a focus. So we have a lot of documentation, but it's it's like we talked about this last episode where it's it's good to have documentation, but it's like a living thing and you have to keep it up to date. And we're seeing that with sure. our external integrations that we're doing at the moment, you know, we've got to keep these things up to date make sure that we're referencing the right places that, you know, when someone's working on an integration, they've got the most up-to-date resources and things like that. So, you know, it's it's a whole of some part of the products with product and tech team. So it's it's a whole of product and tech team directive really to, to do these kinds of things. So, you know, we haven't specifically done it in in the extent of like I went and, you know, did anything in particular, but it is now core of our OKRs for this quarter to to know make a concerted effort on that kind of stuff um but most of what we've been doing recently has been sort of looking at our our architecture our our software um our front end and back end and and looking at you know what do we need to do for the next step you know where we're leaving that kind of startup hustle phase and going into the like scalability and maintainability and all that kind of stuff and looking at what that entails and so we spent a lot of time documenting um and like putting together documents on what we want to achieve moving forward how we're going to go about it you know at the moment we've got a an api like an open api back end mm-hmm. and okay. we've got a, a nux js on a view 2 front end and so the the first thing that we're looking at doing is is basically merging those two repositories into one and making them one application just to you know improve the testing story having a bit more cross functionality between the front end and back end developers you know, if, if a if a back end dev can like scaffold out some tests straight away so that the front end dev can start working on it and and the front end dev can make amendments if they have to, you know, all in one place rather than have to try and juggle these things. And then there's the deployment story, which is, you know, a little bit trickier as well because you've got to do all these things where you've got to like time releases and things like that. So we're, we're looking at that. The end goal is to um, move off of Nux entirely, use inertia for the front end. So we have, mm-hmm. you know, that, which is... and. Uh, Shout out to Jonathan Rennick and and Co for getting version one shipped this month. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a long time coming, but um, you know, I'm I'm excited to get stuck into that. I think Boris Boris Levikin put out a uh, advanced inertia course, like a PDF and and some stuff uh, recently, which I grabbed a copy of. I have links to that in the show notes, which I think would be really good to um, check out. And um, so, like that whole story, and then. uh, Myself specifically, I'm going through like the Laravel PHP upgrades. So we're on in production at the moment. We're PHP 7.4, Laravel 6. I have got PHP 8 working. We're just doing final QA on that. And then that will go live um, the week after next. What? Yeah, next week. And then I've got Laravel 7 done. Laravel 8, I'm just tidying up some tests because there was the big refactor there going from like the old factory stuff to the new factory classes. So there's there's been a bit of work there, and then we we're doing our own like creative stuff to kind of map resources to models to then rather than saying like like user colon colon factory, right? Mm-hmm. We had this 
or in the old way, it was like factory and then you'd pass it like user colon colon class. But we would have like these sure, factory yep. helpers, which would which would act as like a translation between a resource, like our, our API resources and the model, okay. like the underlying models. So instead of doing that, like user colon colon factory, we were doing like factory helpers colon colon resource and then passing it like the string representation of users. So sure, it would do like that. Like user colon colon class or whatever. Yeah. So it would do that resolution and then return the factory and things like that. And number one, that, that actually we found out was causing some memory issues in our test. But number two, it was like this pointless. Act. It was it was to be like, there's you only ever reference these things in one way. And we had like resources, um, like the ability to get the, the model for a resource and the class for a resource and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it was just like this unnecessary layer of abstraction. So we're trying to kind of pull all this stuff back. So this this has caused some issues in our test suite because obviously we've got to go through like test by test, fix all the things, run the tests again, find the next thing that's failing, you know, until we get to the end. So Laravel 8, I should hopefully have finished sometime in the next couple of weeks and then we'll do, hopefully, hopefully I'll get Laravel 9 at least started before Laravel 10 comes out. So we've been using Laravel Shift for that and that's made a lot of the process really smooth. There were some things in there that like, because we had all of this bespoke functionality and, and code in our in our application, like I had to go back and patch some things in, changes to the console kernel. We had to update the multi-tenancy for Laravel package from version two to version three because mm. it got to I'm the point where, yeah, the we, well, stuff, we, we had a we had a fork of that package for Laravel seven, but we couldn't. I wasn't I wasn't going to prepared. I wasn't prepared to maintain that fork for Laravel eight because there was enough enough changes upstream in the framework that meant we'd have to change a lot of that package in order to get it to function. So then it was, you know, bite the bullet, upgrade to the current version of that package and, and go from there. So Laravel 8 was a little bit, has been a little bit more taxing than what Laravel 7 was just because of all the extra stuff that we had to do. So we're getting there, you know. It, it, this year is going to be a good year in terms of kind of like improving the code at like a maintain, maintainability mm-hmm. level. Um, yep, and yep. just Taking kind of you're kind of like, like not so feature heavy yeah oh there's still going to be a lot of feature development we've built the team out now such that we've got basically two product streams working side by side so one team can be you know working on new stuff and one team can be working on this kind of stuff here but obviously with with pairing things back and getting closer to default you know vanilla laravel it means we're gonna have to start documenting a lot of stuff to say like instead of doing this how we did it the old way we're going to do things like this and so to come you know back to the start of this the documentation is going to be a big focus for us because it, you know we've got to upskill the team we've got to cross skill the team because we've got like a pool we've got two we're going to run in two streams but we're gonna the like the myself and one of the other senior or well, three of the other seniors actually want one each two front ends myself and one other back end developer we're going to like have the two teams and then we'll just like mix the pool of developers under that so everyone gets exposure in different areas so we get that you know cross scaling upskilling making sure that you know we reduce our bus factor and things like that so it's going to be a a good year interesting year challenging year we're going to go towards more like of the shape up kind of strategy we're we're going from like yeah ad hoc like sprints kicking that around a little bit too yeah yeah, we're going from um, these ad hoc sprints and like weird, like when are we going to do stuff, milestones to planning out our software releases in terms of trimesters. So we'll have, you know, three trimesters in a year. Each trimester is going to be made up of two eight-week cycles. So, you know, a week either side of a six-week development cycle and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of changes, but it's going to be cool to see how we grow. And obviously, 
as part of that, there's going to be a lot of documentation in terms of process and how we do things and why we do things and when we go from one way to another and things like that. So I'm sure there'll be more to report on that as as we kick along the year. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to try and do a couple of those things too. That's a big that's a big focus for me this next year is like better project planning. You know, it's just sort of me on this side of things. So the good yeah. news is I can kind of do what I want, but the bad news is I have to do it all by myself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's yeah, it's not necessarily like we've got like three other people who are helping to do the same job. It's like, hey, let's all get together and like decide how we're gonna do this. And like I read this, like, oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Let's just do that. It's like just me. So it's fine, but like this is on the dev and IT side of things. It's like literally IT could use that same like methodology, the whole shape up thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like for ticketing work, but for project work where it's like, okay, we have 15 things we can pick from. What's going to be the most valuable? Most of the time it's like, what's the emergency? Like, let's do that thing. And then it's like, mm-hmm. if you don't get that thing done before the next emergency crops up, then you have that last emergency that's 90% done. And then the next emergency, which is, you know, so Anyway, better project planning is a big, big thing on my uh, on yeah. my mind moving forward to this year. However, yeah, I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about permissions, and everybody uh, just shut off the podcast right there. They were like, ah, "I don't want to talk <laughs> about permissions. I don't want to talk about that stuff." And so, um, I thought I'd share sort of a little bit of the mess that we're in and how I've sort of proposed to resolve this. So. You know, when you're first starting an application, a lot of times you're just trying to get the thing done, right? And you probably only have a very specific set of users who are planning to use this particular application. And so mm-hmm. you can divide your your types of users into like two, maybe three buckets most of the time, right? So uh, the app that I'm talking about right now is a, a application that handles sort of it's a central pool where uh, any claims that are going to be going into our system of record, this is like a choke point. Uh, whether it comes in via email, whether it comes in via paper, which crazily enough, some things still do, uh, whether it comes in via like a data set or whatever you might have, they all go to this one particular system. And then they get go go from there into our system of record get exported after our data entry teams take a look at them, go through them, mark them up, you know, note what's in the documents and all that stuff, and then send them through. So yeah, when we first created this, it was like, okay, well, we have entry people, and then we have admins. And there we go. And we're all set, done. Nice and tidy, all good to go. Well, as you can imagine, this app has been this application has been in around for like I don't know, eight years, maybe, maybe a little yeah. bit less, maybe seven, eight years, something like that. And it's been upgraded a bunch of times, which is great. But when we first started, just like when I first started Laravel, there was no such thing as like validation stuff in Laravel. You brought your own validation stuff. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. no such thing as like form yeah. requests or a validate library, sort of this validates that none of that stuff. Like Jeffrey Way was like, he was the guide, like, okay. There's a million different ways you can do validation. Here's how I like to do validation. And everybody's like, that's a great idea. Let's do it that way, right? So mm-hmm. uh, similarly, there was no like concept of permissions. Like there was no way to really do that necessarily. Yeah, the guards and, and the so, gates and things like that didn't yeah, exist. Yeah, exactly. You, now now in Laravel, which we talked about this last week uh, on Laravel News Podcast, there is a really good uh, post out there by Pavilis that was posted on May 13th in 2022, Laravel roles and permissions, gates and policies explained. So yeah, you have gates, which is basically a way to declare and give a name to an ability or a permission. If you think of those three things as as uh, equivalent, right? An ability or a permission or a gate. Uh, those three things in Laravel, uh, a gate is the way that you implement an ability or a permission, right? So you give it a name and um, you state what it can do. So like can view admin navigation bar right 
if I'm being really verbose, right? And mm-hmm. um, and that's that's the thing that you give it, and then you can uh, put into that gate a a uh, logic check that determines whether or not somebody can do that particular thing, right? So that's that's a gate, and then you also have policies, which policies are basically gates uh, around a particular resource. So if you have a user model, instead of having a can see can view users, can create users, can update users, can destroy users, instead of doing that, it basically gives you a class that you have a user policy, and gives you all these different methods for doing exactly exactly that. Um, so it passes in a user to the create method into the user policy. And depending on who's logged in, you can then run some uh, check to see if that person can update users, right? Or whatever you might have. So policies are basically just lists of permissions centered around a particular resource is typically what a policy is. So if you just got that, you've got your abilities and you've got your, uh, you know, your, your bulk permissions and abilities, and then you've got policies, right? And that's, that's sort of what you've got. However, that's sort of where Laravel stops. And so again, before we had before we had this in Laravel, we just had to kind of create our own thing. So what we did is if we're talking about the very simplistic version of how it was working before, what we did is we said, okay, we have users and when they log in, we want to get the all the groups that they have been assigned in Active Directory. So we have a way to do that. We basically talk to our Active Directory server through LDAP, and we pull all the groups. Mm-hmm. And so we know all the groups of the people who are getting logged in. And so essentially what we did then is we would look for, okay, do they have a group called app underscore admin? And if they do, give them a role that's called admin. And if they have a group called app underscore data entry, then they are, they are a user and they are allowed to access this application. There we go. We're done. So now what we did is we would create a has role method on our user. And anytime we needed to check for permissions, there wasn't there was no such thing as a gate, no such thing as a ability that we defined anywhere. All we would do is we would say, hey, here's a nav bar that's only for admins. And then we would surround that with a conditional. And the conditional would just say, the currently logged in user has role admin. That was the check. That was the truthy check that we were using right in the blade file. Or right in the controller method or right in the validations, you know, right in the form request, wherever it's at, all we were doing is a has role check. So really, really, really simplistic. And for the longest time, that worked amazingly, no problem. But as you add features, like for example, we need somebody to be able to go in and queue a claim up from an email. Okay, well, not every user needs to be able to do that. Needs to require some sort of escalated privilege but we don't want only admins to do that because everybody's busy managing the people. So now we have this middle ground and you would think, oh, you would just add a new manager sort of role. Well, we didn't. We just said, eh, they can just have the admin role too. (laughs) And so what we ended up doing is now we have all of these things that people can do. And literally the only way that we did it is we just said, yeah, make them an admin. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Well, Way too much power. Way, 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 way too much power, right? Yeah. So we have like literally they get all the, the other stuff that comes with it. All the other stuff. Yeah, they could see reports for people that have been doing work in there from 10 years ago. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Yeah. And so we're stuck in this spot right now where it's like, okay, the only thing that we're doing to check uh, whether somebody can do something or not is if they have a particular role or not. And this is sort of uh, systemic. We have this sort of same check 
throughout all of our applications. Now, some of our applications <laughs> have gates that are in there, and a lot of our applications have policies that are in there. But the same thing is true. The policies are just using a has role check inside the policy right. to say, do they have the ability to do this or not, right? Yeah. And so that's that's the pickle that we're in and that we're trying to solve. And so uh, as before I before I talk about sort of my proposed solution, I'm curious if you have any similar stories of this type or... Or if you guys are literally just amazing and you've got it all figured out already. No, absolutely not that one. I think our permission story is maybe not unique, but it's even more complicated than that. I want to hear it. Because we have, so we've got like multi-tenancy, right? So, and then within the context of each tenant, the tenant can have multiple groups. So you can have a tenant manager, which can mm-hmm. manage anything gonna... for any group, right? Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm going to, I'm just going to stop a couple of times. I want to make sure I understand this. Okay. So you have multi-tenancy and then you have a user. Who is the user tied to? Is the user tied to a tenant? The user is tied to the tenant. The tenant. Okay. Each user is tied to a tenant. Okay. Yeah. Except for now, your admin users. There are, except the admin users, the admin <laughs> users can do anything anyway. Okay. Sure. Okay. So within the context of a tenant, you can have an admin, right? And they okay. have access to everything in that tenancy. In that tenancy. Okay. Then you can have a tenant manager who has access to all of the groups. Okay, so the group is just like we use groups for our for our um, for our partners. So a tenant could be like Laravel is the tenant. Okay, and then a group could be Titan, and then it could be Sparsy, and then it could be Beyond Code. Right. So we've got these three groups in here underneath the Laravel tenant. Okay. Right. So you'd have Taylor is an admin. Yep. But okay. Nuno and Dries could be tenant managers where they have access to all three of those groups. And then you've got Matt, who is a group manager of Titan. Yep, you've Titan. got mm-hmm. Freik, who's a group manager of Sparsi. And you've got okay. um, Marcel, who's a group manager of Beyond, Beyond Code. Code. Yep. So let's forget about Taylor because he's just got like, if Taylor returned true, right? For all of the admins, all the permissions. Yep. Now... Nuno and Dries have access to everyone's everything, but they don't have the admin escalation, right? So they can right. go into each of the tenants and they can look at all the tenant stuff. Or sorry, they can go to each of the groups and look at each, each of the, the groups group inside stuff. that tenant. Yes. Right. But then Matt can only see the stuff that's within Titan. Anything Makes and sense. everything within Titan. Yes. Right. But he can only see within Titan. And same with Frank with with Sparsi and then same as Marcel within Beyond Code. But then within each group, you've also got group manager uh yeah and then you've got users now users have access to their own stuff but not other people's stuff within that group right within that group sure so 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 we've got like this this nested kind of relationship model basically right right yeah so users you so it's it's layered and so i might have access to all all of my applications right but not your applications if we're in the same in the Mm -hmm. same group Mm -hmm. um but if i have like a support role I can read all of the applications, but I can't edit them. I can't delete them. Okay. I can't update them. And then we have this notion of like the, the group managers who have access not to the uh, who have access to C applications in each of the groups, but they can't do anything with them, right? They can they can look at them. Um, what are those so ones called? Like what are these, those people called? So these are like group support users. Okay, sure. So the ones that you can see it all but you can't do anything with it. Okay. Right. And so that's typically our staff that sit like outside of the tenancy, but they have user accounts within, you know, and they, and they can see all that stuff. So 
the the problem we have is like if you're in a group, right, you can see everything, but you might not be able to 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 edit it. And so we we need to kind of like do this dance where it's like, okay, can you access this application? Or can you see these applications? Or can you read all applications? And then we've got the granularity. So you might have a, a, a particular user has like their default set of permissions, but then you might give them access to a specific application. Or you might give them like the ability... Like a single, like one application within a group, within a tenant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's And when you say application, to kind of, just to be clear, just so everybody who's listening kind of understands what I believe this to mean is like, like let's just say specifically a loan application. So we're not talking about right, yeah. the application as in the software application. Correct. We're talking about... Yeah. The application that yep. is within the group, within the tenant. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So which is, this is not the first time that I have been <laughs> working at a business where like our core model is called application, which is frustrating because it's like, yeah, we're not talking about the Illuminate application or yeah, the, the right. application as a whole. We're talking right. about our loan application. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. That makes and sense. sometimes I wonder if it's a good idea or a bad idea to to have that prefix on the name. So yeah, we end up with all of these authorization queries that are like, Go and find mm, like all of the applications that you have access to at the group yeah, level right? and also at an individual level, right? So you end up doing this mm, like, and, oh, and, in, and in a big, and in a big tenant, this could be like hundreds, it could be thousands. And so you, this, and it gets bigger the longer the application exists and, and it's the doing like, the user exists, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to to figure out if there's ways that we can optimize this. I think the easiest way is to kind of use like a subselect so that we don't act. Cause at the moment we select all those IDs out. Like we do a, you know, permission or we do a query, we get all of the IDs to an array and then we pass that back into a where in instead of just doing gets, the subselect. Gets, I, yeah. You can use where in for a long time until the number of things that you're pointing into the where in gets over a certain number and then it just falls apart. Mm. It gets super yeah. slow. I don't remember what the number is. I think it's like thousand They're something, all, whatever. Yeah. Well, there is there is also a threshold at which point PDO, so not Laravel, but the underlying mm-hmm. database access layer in PHP just yeah. starts dropping like dropping values from that query. Oh, that's fun. There is there is a Laravel has this function on the query builder called where integer in raw. And so rather than using hmm, PDO placeholders okay. like the question marks, it just does a sprint F. Because the the assumption at that point is that these are always going to be integers, so you don't have to yeah. worry about injection because it casts everything to an right. end. Sure, so every sure. single makes sense. value in there is an int. That's the actual thing on the on the on the database query builder, where integer and raw. Yep. Yep. So, so that's you can a say where function. ID integer and raw. I don't understand. Yeah, where, where so integer the, and so ID, doing, and then the second one is like just a set of right. values. Yeah. Okay. So instead of doing like where in ID comma array, you do where sure, integer sure. in raw ID comma array, and it yeah, the the end result is the same, but you don't have yeah, to worry about that now. Sure. Obviously, you're running a query, query to get yeah. all of those all those records out. You're then storing them in memory to get all the IDs, and then throw them back into another query. Oh gosh. And so now that like last year was all about really getting the testing up to, up to scratch, making sure that we had assurances that like if we change and refactor these things, we don't break anything. So now that that's all in place, we have a little, we have a little bit more flexibility to go in and then refactor that permission system to make sure that, you know, like it's still going to work at the end of the day, but we can optimize those queries as well. So yeah, the, the, the thing that there's always kind of, I've never wanted to go into it 
because this the authorization layer that we have is kind of like jerry rigged together, but it's using the JSON the Laravel JSON API packages authorization stuff, which at some point gets down to just like gates, right? So it does use the yeah. the underlying yeah, well, permission system sure. in Laravel, but mm-hmm. it's the stuff on top of it, and it, and it means that if we need to gotta authorize, store the, you got to store. You have to store the information about who can access what somewhere, right? That's got to mm-hmm. live somewhere. And if it's more than just roles, which it is, because of that added hitch of the whole, what applications do they have access to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, then it does get a little bit hairy. Because, I mean, depending. I mean, if you have a tenant that has, okay, like, it seems like a tenant wouldn't have, like, hundreds of groups. It's probably, like, tens at most, right? I mean... Uh, no, it can. So one, the the merger that we went through last year landed us with, uh, landed us in a group that has thousands. A tenant of, that has thousands like, of groups. Because it's 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 a network of asset finance brokers, right? Okay. So there are thousands of them, which means that within that tenant there are thousands, thousands of, groups. of groups. Okay. So okay, yeah, we. Well, obviously, we need to fix it because if we have lots of, you know, thousands of groups worth of users all using the application at the same time, and they're all, you know, hitting endpoints that are doing these permissions queries, um, things get a bit tricky. So, I think basically we we need to do like, do you have? I don't. There's there's probably a name for this that will make this mm. all sound much more reasonable than than what it does sound like the way that I'm trying to explain it. But it's a um. It's like a tiered, is it tiered? Yeah. Scaffold. No. Continue. Yeah, I guess it's a tiered tiered permission model, right? Where yeah, I right. have access to my stuff and the person above me has access to their stuff and my stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. they're like yeah. that cascading waterfall. Cascading permissions, maybe? Yeah, maybe. So it's not just enough to say, like, can you... And it's not an ownership thing because I don't necessarily have a one-to-one ownership relationship with your application, but I have access right. to your application because sure. we're both part of the same group. Right. Um, so it's like yes. I have access to all of my things and your thing. I think we could simplify it heaps by just doing the check on that model rather than yeah. selecting everything and then trying to whittle it down, like get as little sure. as possible. Yeah, you would just at the time, the, at the time of that, at the time of, of checking to see if they have authorization to view that model, you just say like, okay, user who's like currently viewing the model or trying to view the model, do you have access to do this? Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so it gets all the more tricky. It gets all the more tricky if on the front end you're wanting to also do that check too, like because you have the can mm. the can check right on the front end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So if you're wanting to not display the edit button in the UI, then you have to make sure that you're using that on the front end too. And so yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. And this is where we're moving to. Like I guess it worked the same. I mean, yeah, we we send that stuff back once really on on the page load and say like, do you have access to this thing? So. It'll it'll certainly be um, it's something that I want to revisit. It's just that there's always something else, and it's while it's not causing us a huge problem, it's like it's always there in the back of my mind. And there is a ticket in ClickUp that's like fix this at some point. But so for you, what's the biggest? What what is the biggest challenge? Is the biggest because like it seems like you have defined roles for each level, right? Top mm-hmm. top level admin. Then tier, sorry, not tier, tenant admin, yeah. tenant manager. Yeah. Then you have group 
admin, group manager, group support, whatever. So they're all yeah. role based. So we've right? got like seven seven roles, but then you've got so. And this is this is the thing I think with any role based permission system is that you should never, in quotes, right? You should never check does a user have a role. It makes it very hard to unwind that down the track. If you want to get more granular or if you want to, you know, do some other stuff. You need stuff. to say, can they do this thing, right? That's the check you need yeah, to say. That, right. And that's where that's I'm at right thing. now too. Yeah, that's, and that's correct. And, and so you're saying that's kind of where you guys are at right now too, is you're, you're doing role checks at that point. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and that is the issue is, is like, if you have it, if you are using the role at that check level and not a named ability or permission, yeah, you kind of get into trouble yeah. because now the role itself and not the permission is what's being checked and so yeah you're you're just you're stuck okay so good we're we're both at the same point now right so you yeah. and i have arrived yeah. at this at this head where we are at yeah. uh, which is we're checking roles in order to see if a user has the permission to do a particular thing and this mm-hmm. is where i'm at so my solution was to say okay dev team i want you to analyze this repository i want you to find every single spot in the repo that uses has role, find all of them. And what I want you to do is any spot where you see a has role, I want you to, first of all, copy the permalink to that in GitHub, paste that into number one. Number two, I want you to give a name to that permission. I want you to name it. So give me a really verbose name if you want. I don't care. But just tell me what it is, right? Or you could you could call this a description field too, and then somebody else can decide what the name should be. Like if you wanted to add a higher level then later decide you could, uh, but you could just describe what it's doing too. You could say uh, yeah. this this check here gives gives somebody the ability to go see the admin navigation menu. Great, okay. Mm-hmm. And then third, give me all of the roles that are currently allowed to do that thing. So give me those yeah. three pieces of information for every single spot in the application where I have a has role permission. Okay. Once that is done, my second step is to say, let me go through all of these places and name each ability. So I have to go through and give each one of these a name. Then I need to replace that piece of code with the has role with the named permission, the named ability, mm-hmm. right? So that's step, whatever, two, three. The next one is to write a gate for that piece of information, right? A gate to determine, okay, this is the ability. And now I can then do in, in that spot, I can implement something else because Laravel, while it gives you gates and policies, it leaves the role completely up to you. How you handle roles, completely up to you as the person. So you could store it in the database. You could do a static check if you wanted. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But the way that we're going to do it is once we have all of our abilities defined and I can see a cross-section of all those abilities and which things we're already assigned to with which roles, then I can group those abilities into roles. Right. So that's my next step is to say, okay, name the roles again. I already have roles, but name them again, maybe. Maybe I need to have multiple tiers that need to have the ability to do particular things. But this now frees me up to create as many roles as I need to. It doesn't matter. I can just mm-hmm. give them permissions, whatever permissions they need, because now I'm giving actual abilities and not doing role checks all over the place. So at that yeah. point, then it's just, okay, now I just need to. So, so once you have that, you have your roles, you have your abilities. The last step is then determining how you assign roles to a user. That is the last piece of information. And so for you, that's probably inside the application, somebody, the admin or whoever's setting up the tenant or whatever for the first time is going to go ahead and assign those roles 
to particular users based on what what they think they need, right? And then eventually the tenant admin is going to come back and kind of do that and store those all for you, right? They'll they'll then manage that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The way that we are doing the role assignment is we are I, I don't want to I don't want to manage I don't want to manage all the roles, right? I, I want the IT guys to manage the roles is really what I want. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be asked to do permission changes and we have to have like uh tracking of permission like access permission changes. We have to have that in our company for like this compliance thing that we do. So it right. has to go through IT. IT has to have a record that they did it. And then what I want to do is I want to have IT update the group that they belong to, a group that they have access to. And then what I do is I have a map in my application that says this particular named Active Directory group maps to this particular uh, application's user. Uh, sorry, this uh, this particular application's role, right? So I might have, yeah. and what I do is I have like, in this case, app underscore data entry underscore admin. And that maps to an admin role inside here. And I have app underscore data entry underscore manager. And that maps to a manager role in here. And so what happens is when somebody changes roles at our company, IT swaps out the user, updates all their all, all their groups, and the permissions go away in my application. All of it right. gets updated automatically. I don't have to worry yeah. about old hanging around. And this this works across all of our different applications. They all use this same methodology. Mm-hmm. So that's my proposed solution. And we're working on it. We're we're yeah. get, right now we're going through the process of naming all the places, right? Extracting all the places where we say has role, naming all of those uh, abilities, and then we'll go up from there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're yeah. at. Yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's you never want to do any of these things by role. You always want to do it by the most granular check, right? Got it. You want to do it by ability. And then you can assign as many abilities as you want to the roles, but then you also have the ability down the track if you want to, to then also assign abilities to users ad hoc. So you can say you've got this role, but you also need to do like this one report or something. So we'll also give you the ability to do that report. Yes. But then... Which that's painful if you don't do it that way, because then what you have to do is you have to make up a stupid role. So either you have to give somebody more permissions than they need because only this role has that ability to do that. So like yeah, or you, create case, a role you have to give them admin that has, or you have to yeah. create a role that has one ability, which is also stupid. Yeah. And then it depends, you know, can you give users multiple roles in your application? Mm-hmm. Right. But then, yeah, so you're always checking the abilities. You're always assigning the roles, but then you have the ability to assign the permissions directly or the abilities directly if you want to. And then within the context of your application, you know, you said that the, the roles get assigned and all of that happens automatically when, when yeah, they get updated right. in Active Directory. Correct. The other thing you want to do is cache that, right? Now, whether you cache that indefinitely, like you just we cache, cache... It on login. So like if they log yeah, out, okay. log back yeah. in, it, it updates it again. Yeah. And then just stores yeah. the roles in the database. Yep. So so you do it that way. Um, or you do it like cache forever or whatever. Sure. Yeah. That and works. then mm-hmm. and then you only have to bounce that whenever they you know, whenever that gets updated. If that comes in Correct. through yeah. Active Directory and you get like a, a webhook or whatever, then you can just go and bounce that cache and then the next time, whatever that event is, it'll refresh it or you can just call exactly. it, yep. you know, dump it and then or purge it and, and then recreate it. Yeah. Or you or you can just do it per request. You know, you could do a cache and then put it in an array and that way it only lives within the context of that, hmm. yeah. that single web request. So you do it as part of your... Um, scaffolding of the application through a service provider or something or whatever and then okay these are cached for the duration of this request and that way you don't have to go and look them up in the database every time for every you know different part of the application yeah, you, yeah, know, good point. you might load one page but there might be like a gate 
check to yeah. like, should I display this button? Um, can I post here? Whatever. Like you might do it five or six or 10 times in different places sure. in your UI, but because you've cached it for the duration of that request, it's always there. And then you don't have to worry about, you know, the cache getting out of sync with what's in active directory and things like that. So, um, and that obviously speeds up as well. You're not hitting the database every time you want to go and check permissions, you know, it's just yeah. there. Yeah. And then, and then that check is always just caching the abilities like the going and looking up the roles if you need to display them somewhere is probably a, a much quicker thing but we're building that out you, too like we're building out a ui where we basically have yeah. a way for our, our it guys to see okay like if somebody requests the permission to do this they want to see the banking reports on the on the paperless forms application okay well mm-hmm. what 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 role do they need so what permission is it what role do they need and then what ad group ties to that role right so they know they, they can yeah. do that yeah <clears throat> There is also one other interesting thing that we kind of discovered, and I know we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up in one second here. But and this is not a novel idea idea with me or anything. However, that sort of one off permission that you're talking about, the one thing that's a little bit scary with that is that it never falls off. And it's so if you ha- you could have like these stale permissions that just kind of hang around, right? Somebody moves departments, and we've seen this happen, right? Where we do audits on the mm-hmm. on permissions. And somebody moves departments and, oh my gosh, they still have access to data entry admin and they're literally in a completely different department. They would never even look yeah. at that, but they have the access to do so. So what we what we decided to do is, yes, there are some times where people need one-off permissions that are not tied to a role. And what we decided to do in that case is to say, okay, allow one of our guys to assign an ad hoc permission, but they have to also specify a lease period. So the lease period could be a day, could mm-hmm. be a week, could be a month. It's like 30, 60, 90 days, one year, right? And what that allows us to do is like, if somebody's covering for another person, right? Hey, I need admin view in this because I'm covering for this other manager for the week. They're gone on vacation. No problem. I can give you this ability and it's a lease for a week, right? Mm-hmm. And so then after that week is gone, that permission falls off and no worries. And so what we're going to do is, uh, you know, we'll lease them. And then uh, when it's about to expire, uh, we'll issue a an email to say like, Hey, if you need this permission, you're going to need to re-request it. And then we just let it fall off when it falls off. Yeah. So that's another way that we're going to do that. You can manage that kind of thing using Laravel's like model pruning stuff. Then you could automatically like every, it depends oh, on sure. right, how right, critical right. it is. Like, is it down to the hour is enough? Then sure. Oh, no, you know? it's like, it's down to the day. I mean, like literally if we ran it at the end of the day, the model prune sort of deal and was like, Hey, yeah, drop any, drop any permissions that expired today, you know? Yeah. And you could go through like, Three, three, three days before, and say, "Hey, your permissions to for this thing are going to expire in three days. Right. Um, if you need to renew it, like click here, and it'll do it. Or you know, go on email such and such, and and, and get it done that way. So there's there's definitely tooling in place to kind of make that a nice process as well. I wonder if Spassy yeah. has something like so. Like, I don't know. I, I need to Spassy look. Spassy has at, a permissions uh, package. Yeah, they do. And, and, and Bouncer like is the Joseph other one. Silver. Yeah, we use yeah. Bouncer currently. But I'm I'm looking to see like when you associate a particular application. So when you associate a particular ability with a user, I don't think there's a I don't think you can expire it. I was gonna I was going to see if they already had something like that, mm-hmm. but I don't think they do. Yeah. So, so anyway. I mean, I think like our permission model has to stay the way that it is. Like we need for compliance and whatever else reasons to to have it the way it is. But I think we can certainly be smarter about the way that we apply it. Just especially you know, as, as the application grows, as the user base grows, as the number of finance applications grows, it's going to get slower and slower. And so we definitely need to rethink the way that we are going about doing that in terms of 
not smashing the database to, to go and run all these weird, inefficient queries. And like I said, there's ways around it. It's just it's not been a big enough concern among all of the other concerns to to deal with it. But we want to be on the yep. front foot with it uh, as well. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, that is uh, that is all we've got for today, folks. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us. What episode are we on, Mr. Dorinda? 132. 132. You can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 132. If you like the show, rate us up on your podcast of choice. Five stars would be amazing. Hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jacob Bennett or North South Audio. All right. That's it, folks. Until next time, happy permissioning. And we'll see you. Bye.